Hey y'all, my name is Josh. I'm a fourth year med student and I've been making some fun podcasts. My previous one was um, regarding cell surface proteins. We're now going to be talking about signal transduction um, at the cell surface and what those are. So there's a few different types of um, surface receptors which um, actually result in like internal uh, signal transduction. There's one called tyrosine kinase signaling. There's another called G-protein signaling. And then there's another one called C-GMP signaling, okay? So I'm going to say that one more time. Tyrosine kinase signaling, G-protein signaling, and then C-GMP signaling. Now what you have to understand about all this is that these are um, all ways of, uh, of basically a cell being signaled to perform some sort of function, okay? So let's start with tyrosine kinase signaling, okay? So tyrosine kinases have intrinsic kinase activity and a kinase is something that can phosphorylase something, right? So it has internal or intrinsic, I'm sorry, intrinsic kinase activity. So when um, a tyrosine kinase basically binds um, some sort of um, uh, like growth factor usually is what it likes to bind. It's going to basically dimerize. And what I mean by dimerize is the tyrosine kinase is a dimer. It's a protein dimer. And when it dimerizes, they come together and, and autophosphorylate itself, okay? And then when it autophosphorylates itself, in intercellular, intercellularly, you're going to have this thing called an insulin receptor substrate, an IRS, that's going to bind to that phosphorylated receptor. It acts as a scaffold protein that will bind other internal um, proteins to help them become phosphorylated, okay? So let me talk about this pathway, all right? So a hormone binds to this tyrosine kinase receptor. The receptor dimerizes. There's an auto-cross-phosphorylation, basically one part of the dimer phosphorylates the other on the intracellular domain of the dimerized receptor. Then, once it's a phosphorylated dimerized receptor, IRS, this insulin receptor substrate, binds to that phosphorylated domain of the um, tyrosine kinase dimer, right? And then... Um, IRS itself becomes phosphorylated, specifically at the SH2 domains, okay? SH2 domains of the tyrosine kinase, okay? And then once the IRS is attached to this SH2 of the tyrosine kinase domain, other proteins are going to come basically for downstream effects, okay? One of these is a phosphatase, right? This is part of the insulin pathway for signaling. Another is a kinase, which is going to go on. You're going to hear this all the time, but PI3 kinase or phosphoinotazole 3-kinase, PI3 kinase is going to go on, okay? And then you also have these things called G-proteins, which are going to be affected by RAS. So RAS is going to get phosphorylated by this tyrosine kinase and have downstream effects. This is actually an oncogene, and when it's active, this leads to a constant growth signal, which you can imagine would be important for things like um, cancer. So examples of hormones that bind to tyrosine kinase are insulin, platelet-derived growth factor, PDGF, and then EGF receptors, right? Um, endothelial growth factor receptors. 
and basically you're gonna have sensitization, right? So like basically increase or decreasing of tyrosine kinase um, production that will eventually get to the transmembrane to increase tyrosine kinase receptors there via PPAR gamma, right? PPAR gamma. So that's tyrosine kinase signaling. Next up, I'd like to talk about G protein, okay? So G proteins are like some of the most high yield stuff for your exams. This is gonna be tested just like tyrosine kinases, but this is a little bit more confusing. So I wanna take this really slow, okay? G proteins, the structure of them are trimeric. There's three parts of a G protein. There's an alpha unit, a beta unit, and a gamma unit, okay? The alpha subunit is the one I want you to focus on. The alpha subunit has intrinsic GTPase activity, right? It acts as a timer for shutting off the active form of a GTPase, okay? So the alpha subunit has intrinsic GTPase activity, okay? So here's the pathway, okay? Hormones bind to the receptor at the G protein complex at this extracellular cell membrane, okay? GDP, GDP, D as in dog, binds to the inactive alpha subunit, exchanging, um, um, it uh, exchanging its GTP, okay? That alpha subunit, when it's bound to um, GDP, is now active, okay? And there's a few different types of alpha subunits, right? Depending on what that GPCR is, okay? So there's three kinds of GPCRs, okay? There's a GS GP, uh, GPCR, there's a GQ GPCR, and there's a GI right? So GS and GQ are stimulatory GPCRs and GIs are inhibitory uh, GPCRs, okay? So once the alpha subunit is active, it's going to release from the beta and gamma subunits, right? And then it can act in two different um, sort of ways, right? It can act along the C-AMP pathway or it can act along a PIP2 pathway, okay? If it acts, I want you to categorize this. The C-AMP pathway GS and GI act on C-AMP pathways. GQ only acts on the PIP2 pathway, okay? So in the C-AMP pathway, GS activates adenylate cyclase, right? So ATP uh, basically turns C-AMP, right, uh, into C-AMP, right? And then C-AMP will go on to activate protein kinase A, and protein kinase A has downstream effects, right? Well, GI inhibits adenylate cyclase. So that way, um, uh, ATP cannot be converted into CAMP, right? So it decreases CAMP concentrations, okay? So let me repeat that. GS activates the protein when, it, when the alpha subunit of GS um, uh, is activated. It goes on to activate um, adenylate cyclase. Adenylate cyclase converts ATP to CAMP increasing CAMP concentrations, okay? GI inhibits adenylate cyclase. It stops ATP from converting itself into CAMP, which decreases um, CAMP, okay? So now we're in the PIP2 pathway, okay? GQ activates a, pro, uh, a protein called phospholipase C, okay? PIP2 gets cleaved um, into IP3 and DAG via phospholipase C. Okay, so GQ activates phospholipase C. Phospholipase C cleaves PIP2 into IP3 and DAG. DAG goes on to activate protein kinase C, while IP3 can release calcium from the endoplasmic reticulum, right? And then calcium then activates a number of other enzymes, including protein kinase C. So what I want you to picture in your head 
is PIP2 with an arrow pointing towards IP3 and DAG. And over that arrow, you should list the enzyme phospholipase C. So phospholipase C cleaves PIP2 into IP3 and DAG. DAG increases kinase C, and then IP3 releases calcium, which activates other proteins, which end up increasing kinase C as well, right? So then eventually GTP gets hydrolyzed to GDP, and the alpha uh, subunit becomes inactive. So these are the three different, basically, GPCR pathways that you need to be aware of. GQ is the PIP2 pathway, and then GS and GI affect the C-AMP pathway. Um, you'll learn about what these pathways do and like what um, pathways they're a part of, but uh, what I want you to remember, basically, is that um, like C-AMP is going to be um, like the, path the G proteins, the GS, um, and GI pathways are going to be acted on by things like epinephrine and glucagon, whereas PIP2 is going to have uh, vasopressin. It's also going to be acted on by epinephrine, but it's going to be a different receptor. So it'll be an alpha-1 receptor here, and that's going to affect the PIT, PIP2 pathways, whereas epinephrine that affects the C-AMP pathways are going to be your beta and alpha-2 receptors. These are like your epinephrine receptors. This is a little bit above what we're talking about. I haven't really talked to you about this yet, and we'll talk about it at another point. The final pathway, the singling pathway, is actually going to be a little bit different. These are going to be um, the CGMP singling pathway, and basically what happens is that um, the receptor is going to bind on the cell membrane, but the receptor is going to be soluble in the cytoplasm, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example of this in a second, but here's how it works, okay? So the uh, receptor has intrinsic guanylate cyclase activity, and that guanylate cyclase is going to cleave G, you know, GTP to CGMP, and then CGMP uh, activates protein kinase G. And here's the thing about protein kinase G. It mediates smooth muscle relaxation slash vasodilation, right? Smooth muscle is in your, uh, your vessels, your blood vessels, as well as in um, like things like your gut. So what this is going to do is protein kinase G is going to mediate relaxation, right? But there's no like G protein required, right? Whereas... Um, uh, like in the GP GPCR pathway, you need that trimeric enzyme to have intrinsic GT. The alpha subunit has that GTPase activity. Here, the um, guanylate cyclase activity is just due to um, this basically receptor becoming soluble and then like automatically activating uh, guanylate cyclase in intracellularly once it's in this in the cytosol. And this. Guanylate cyclase will convert GTP to CGMP. CGMP goes on to activate protein kinase G, and protein kinase G eventually relaxes smooth muscle. Okay, so let me give you some examples, right? So nitrous oxide, right? This is like, uh, like when you are giving somebody like you know nitroglycerin, they're having a heart attack, and you are like, did you take your nitro? Well, nitroglycerin creates this um, basically gas called nitrous oxide. And nitrous oxide can actually diffuse across the cell membrane. And then once it diffuses across the cell membrane, it's gonna it, it's gonna bind the soluble receptor within the within the intracellular cell, and that's gonna cause um, intrinsic guanylate cyclase activity. Right, you're gonna get this cleavage of GTP to CGMP, and then CGMP is gonna go on to activate protein kinase G, which release which relaxes smooth muscle, um, like in the vessels of the heart. 
right? And the, that smooth muscle uh, relaxation is going to cause vasodilation. You're going to increase um, basically like the blood flow to the heart. So that's how that's how that works. It also works in other ways. Um, that's how I actually understand it. But I, you know, another way that it works is it causes vasodilation, which is going to decrease the like some physiologic stuff of the heart. I we haven't talked about this yet. I'll quickly describe it. But you have this thing called um, basically your afterload, and it's the amount of basically pressure left over in the heart. When you have vasodilation, it's gonna de it's gonna cause like actually uh, I'm sorry preload. So the preload of the heart is like how much is left before it contracts. And when you have vasodilation of your venous system, more blood is going to remain in the venous part of your system, which is going to decrease the work on the heart because it doesn't have to pump as much blood. And that's going to actually cause it to, um, you know, not be in as much pain. It's not going to have as much of an oxygen uh, mismatch demand. So that's actually how uh, nitrous oxide works, but um, like and why it's used for heart attacks. But like, Another way to understand it is the way I described, except the way that I described it is not the complete picture. The majority of the effects um, basically are from uh, this like preload decrease. So I hope that that didn't confuse you too much. I think it might have. Point being is it's just an example of how nitrous oxide uses this CGMP signaling pathway. The next uh, episode that we're going to get into, we're going to start uh, changing uh, topics here just briefly. We're going to start getting into some genetics. I look forward to this with you. Um, hopefully, I didn't confuse you too much in this episode. Uh, ignore the nitrous oxide pathophysiology of why it's used for heart attacks. But the rest of this is some good stuff. I think I did a good job of explaining tyrosine kinase activity, G-protein signaling, and then also the CGMP signaling. These are the three ways that we do uh, signal transduction within the cell right, to have downstream effects. And it's important for you to know how these work on test day because you will straight up get questions that just ask you about the individual steps. So we'll see you on the next episode. We're going to change topics here to do some uh, genetics fun. Uh, we'll see you there.